0: Welcome to Sooners Extra, the Oklahoma football, primarily football podcast, uh, powered by NewsOK.com in the Oklahoman. I'm Ryan Aber, as always, joined by uh, Joe Masato by phone today. Joe, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Good to be with you guys, <laughs> even uh, away from you.
0: Yeah, even if you're not really with us, but that's uh, yeah, that's all right. Uh, and today, columnist Barry Trammell. Barry, how you doing? I'm
2: doing all right. <laughs> Doing all Just right.
0: trying to figure out uh, how to get to Portland.
2: Yeah, thanks to the Sooners for moving the spring game, I can go now. I have to leave <laughs> Saturday to go to Portland, but I'll be at Owen Field on Friday night now.
0: Well, that's good, because uh, at least one of us can be there, Barry, because uh, I am not going to be able to be there because my daughter's uh, birthday party was previously scheduled for Friday, and uh, the good folks that I work with uh, – are able to, to fill in for me. I'll watch it on television and get a pretty good sense. But uh, let's talk uh, first about the, the change. And, Barry, uh, start off with you. This change didn't come till Tuesday, but it was becoming uh, increasingly likely that there was going to be really poor weather on Saturday. And because of what this event has been built up to the last couple of years, it sort of led to this move.
2: It's a total uh, recruiting opportunity for the Sooners. Lincoln Riley has, you know, sort of uh, changed the recruiting culture at, at Norman, and including in that is a huge spring game with all kinds of things, trying to fill the stands, put seventy thousand or more at uh, at Norman, and that wasn't going to happen if if uh, if it's forty degrees and rainy. So the fallback position became a Friday night. All these uh, big-time recruits going to be in town, and and Lincoln wanted as many people in the seats as possible, and so that was that was the option. It puts some people um, out, you know, it causes problems for some, some uh, on this podcast included. <laughs> but you know what? It helps others. I mean, we're batting five hundred. So, yeah, so I mean, and I gotta believe <laughs> I gotta believe the fans are sort of in the same boat. I mean, so I I think there are probably some people saying, Ah, man. But there's probably some people saying, you know what, that actually works a little better. So I think it, I think it has the potential to work out.
0: Yeah, I think the, the people outside of the travel issues that it creates both for, for fans and for recruits, uh, I'm going to be interested to see how many people show up for this thing because the travel at that time of day can be a little dicey if you're coming, say, from Edmond uh, all, all the way down to Norman. So uh, we'll, we'll see how many people decide to, to make that uh, trek. But uh, Joe, what what did you think about the move and and the timing and the the reasons behind it? Well,
1: I think moving it to seven thirty should at least uh, be able to give enough give enough time for people. Maybe uh maybe the crowd for Lee Bryce isn't might isn't what it would have been for a for a Saturday. But I I think it's you know I mean Barry got it. I mean it's it's for recruiting. I think it's anything they can do for the best atmosphere for the recruits that are coming in. And as long as the recruits' travel plans are in line, I, I think that's more important than, you know, maybe if they lose a few fans for this game. Um, but the other thing, I, you, you've seen some teams do this in recent years, kind of move to a Friday night spring game to enhance the atmosphere. I think Texas a and was weather-related, but they also moved theirs up to Friday night. Um, I was at Kentucky last year. They had a Friday night spring game to kind of capitalize on the whole Friday night lights branding and, and kind of provide a new atmosphere for fans, and I think people actually liked it and got even more excited about it. Not saying this is going to become a regular thing, but I think it could kind of be a cool atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it should be interesting to see uh, Friday nights, Friday night lights at uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. That's something we haven't seen very much, unless you're watching, you know, Norman, Norman North uh, go head to head as Oklahoma has pretty much ruled friday nights off limits for for uh regular season games so uh, this will this will be a little bit different atmosphere but uh barry you weren't with us uh, the other day when we talked about defense but we're here to talk about offense today in, in the spring game and uh, i think maybe you can learn a little bit more about the offensive side of the ball than you can the defensive side in a in a setting like this
2: yeah you know uh I've said it a couple times. The uh, you know spring game, about the only thing I really can get good gauge on is pitch and catch. Um, are the are the throwers, the quarterbacks delivering the ball on target? Are the guys able to catch it, whether it's in traffic or not? Hopefully it's in traffic. But um, yeah, everything else is so contextual. You know what, what kind of uh, kind of uh, schemes are they running? What kind of schemes are the defense running? Who's what? What are the coaches allowing to happen? Uh, how how uh, how fast are they going? Are they going all out? Are they hitting all out? These are questions we don't know, and often and often we do know, and it's not good. It's it's not good answers for for reflecting on what we're seeing. But the pitch and catch nature of football that's really doesn't change. Um, you know the the quarterbacks are going to have more time than usual because they know they can't be hit, but you still got to deliver the ball on target. If you can't deliver the ball on target in spring, you're not going to deliver it on target in the fall. So I want to see if these quarterbacks, how accurate they are, and can these guys uh, catch it, although we we're pretty sure they can, but I still want to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Joe, obviously one of the big names that everybody's going to be watching out for on on Friday night is going to be Jalen Hurts and uh, how, how he f- fit into what Lincoln Riley does offensively the way his arm has come along. What are you maybe most looking forward to finding out about Jalen Hurts' game on uh, Friday night?
1: Well, I think you said that. I mean, just just his arm. We've heard so much about how, you know, as he sat out most of last season at Alabama that he might have improved his throwing motion, his accuracy, um, and that OU wouldn't have gone after him if that hadn't been the case. So, um, kind of like the, the pitch and catch that we just talked about. He's not going to be pressured too much, so it's not going to be a realistic setting. Uh, but we'll see how he kind of lines up and, and spreads it out to his playmakers and, and seeing all those receivers out there. I'm also interested to see just how the reps are breaking are broken down between Hertz and um, Tanner Mordecai and the rest of the quarterbacks, just to see how true of a competition maybe it is because it seems like we kind of had a, what was billed as a true competition last year, I don't think it really was. Um, but, you know, just, just from reading your story today, uh, Ryan, about Tanner Mordecai, everyone on his side, you know, is, I mean, biased, but obviously very confident in his uh, ability. And, and I, I truly think that he he thinks he has a shot at this.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting, although I, I can't imagine, well, I don't, I know that Lincoln Riley isn't going to tip his hand in this one, regardless of, of if uh, behind closed doors, that, that reps aren't split up equally, although from all indications they are, uh, even you know talking to some people for what I wrote today. But uh, I, I don't think Lincoln Riley is going to show uh, his, his hand in that regard, although I still think that uh, certainly all, all three of us believe that Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback in the, the fall. But, uh, Barry, is there anything you want to see from the other quarterbacks not named Jalen Hurts?
2: Um, well, I, I want to see the same thing. I want to see can they deliver the ball accurately. Um, I want to see Tanner Schaefer. <coughs> you know, he's been around a long time. He's a walk-on. He's right now third string probably, you know, when, when, in June when Spencer Rattler gets here. He'll be fourth team. But, you know, Oklahoma's ridden a pretty good, pretty good streak of luck at quarterback health. Baker Mayfield never hurt, Kyler Murray never hurt. Uh, that kind of stuff doesn't last forever. So, you know, and, and sometimes trouble comes in spades. So, if, if Tanner Schaefer had to quarterback this team, you know, uh, one of you two guys did the story on on Schaefer and um, and uh, mentioned the Taylor Cornelius. Uh, yeah, I wrote uh, about it a couple weeks Connection ago. with both of them walk-ons from the Texas Panhandle. O- OSU ends up. You know, four years after after showed uh, showed up, he's their quarterback for a season. Was he able to produce? And you know, it, God forbid that you know calamity hits and and that Oklahoma has to go to a walk on at some point. But if they did, what kind of quarterback would they be? So I'd be I'm, I'm even interested in Tanner Schaefer, uh, but particular Tanner Mordecai because you know Jalen Hurts is uh, absolutely uh, one and done. We know that. So. You know, it, it'll be a it'll be an interesting battle a year from now. But this is our first real look at Mordecai, and, and it'll be good to see what what what's in store.
0: Yeah, that'll that'll be really interesting uh, to check out. Uh, Joe, we've talked about the quarterbacks, but let's look at the receivers that uh, they'll be throwing to, and uh, we get a, a first look at at some really hyped guys at that position on, on Friday night.
1: Yeah, we we obviously have the freshmen that to to watch that came in early, um, you know Trajan Bridges, guys like Jaden Hazelwood, I guess depending on his health, but um, and, and then C D Lamb and there's so much depth at the position. I mean, just looking through the roster, um, like I know you all talked to Michael Jones the other day. Ad Miller's back. Uh, Jaquelin Crawford is a guy that seems to be getting a little buzz. So just to see, I, I guess. Who are the featured guys? I would expect uh, obviously CD Lamp to be at the top of that list, um, but but to see which of the freshmen might be more favored than than the other, I know it's still very early, and that could that could shake out more um, by the start of the season. Um, but just kind of the other guys, I'm interested. Like, is, is AD Miller going to be a factor? Is, is guys like Michael Jones and Crawford and, and some of those others that maybe we don't we don't talk about too much anymore?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't think that A.D. Miller will probably uh, not play. He not been practicing a ton uh, to, to this point. We'll see if he's able to go on, on Friday. But, uh, Barry, uh, another uh, interesting case is Nick Basquin. Uh, we talked on video earlier, and you mentioned Char- Charleston Rambo and the, the plays that he made, the, well, the big catch that he made in that uh, Orange Bowl. But Nick Basquin's a guy that I think a lot of people sort of forgot about. Made a couple of big plays uh, late in the season, most notably in the Big 12 title game. Also uh, was a factor in some other games late in the year. Officially found out earlier this week that he got another year of eligibility, so he's going to be able to play this year. How big of a factor can Nick Basquin be for this team?
2: Well, he can be. Um, You know, as the OU depth has improved Nick's status, his his, – Playing time has decreased a little bit, and he's had the injuries, so I think it'll be uphill. Uh, you know, this we, we keep talking about Lincoln Riley's recruiting efforts. Well, he's not just he's not just trying to get defensive tackles and cornerbacks, and you know he's he's recruiting big time receivers. So <laughs> I think that room is more talented than ever before. It'll be tough for Nick Basquin to get a lot of playing time, but sometimes you want. Uh, you know, you want dependability. You want uh, uh, reliability. You want veterans. On his downside is he's not. You know, he doesn't have somebody in that room that remembers the Nick Baskman of 2015 <laughs> and 2016 and 2017. You know, Baker's gone. Kyler's gone. The guys in there now, the veteran is Tanner Schaefer, a walk-on who's not going to play, and Tanner Mordecai, who's been here a year, and then Jalen Hurts who's been here 15 minutes. So it's not like. Some of these guys have any kind of relationship cachet built up with the quarterbacks. Everybody's sort of starting. If you're not, if you're not CD Lamb, everybody's sort of start starting at the same start line. So, it's I think it's going to be uphill for somebody like Michael Jones and Nick Basquin. But um, those things tend to sort themselves out, and and I think you know he'll end up making a contribution.
0: Yeah, uh, Joe, one of the guys that I'm most looking forward to see. What he's able to contribute and if he's able to, to play a big part in this offense is Austin Stogner. Obviously, they've got Grant Calcaterra there, but Stogner's a little bit different build. You know, he more uh, takes him back a little bit into the the Mark Andrews line of a, a tight end, but he's also can can block in line and do some of the things that a traditional uh, tight end can do. Uh, do you think that that Stogner? Uh, one, what are you looking forward to seeing him from on Friday? And, and two, what kind of role do you think he plays moving forward?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to project kind of what role he might have, but I am looking forward to seeing him out there. I mean, just, just, uh, he, he's listed at six six two thirty seven. 237. I mean, he's just a gigantic target. And I remember, um, kind of remembering back to Lincoln Riley's press conference on signing day, uh, he, he had good things to say about several guys, obviously, but Stogner I think was one of the first ones he pointed out. So he seems to be a guy that can do a lot, and you mentioned it, whether it's catching the ball or, or blocking. Um, so, you know, obviously Grant Calcaterra is a proven proven pass catcher, but it'll be interesting to see how he kind of uh, plays in that room as well.
0: And uh, Barry, one of the, the position, one of the positions that we haven't talked about yet is running back. Uh I'm not sure how much we're going to see out of guys like Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks. Uh, T.J. Pleasure played a, a fair amount, especially earlier in the last season. Uh, his role sort of decreased a little bit there at the end. But uh, what do you think about where Oklahoma stands running back-wise and anything specific you're looking forward to on Friday?
2: Nah, well, I'm not going to look for much Friday because I don't get much out of running backs on um, spring game, the uh, – the physicality on the interior is not what you see on on autumn Saturdays, so I don't get a whole lot out of that. Um, often, often you'll see a spring sensation, uh, just have a monster game, and you know it means nothing. He's not going to do much in the fall. Um, like Devin I, Montgomery. Well, he's years ago. a good example. He's a good example. Um,
0: so Michael Anderson, that's what you're saying.
2: Yeah. So, but you know, uh, somebody like uh, T.J. Pledger is interesting. I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to play a lot. And here's the truth that position went from deep and talented and overcrowded, really, to alarmingly thin in the course of, what, seven, eight weeks last season. Yeah. I mean, Sooners had five tailbacks you really liked. And at the end, they had two, you know, and beat up, a beat up two. So, um, everybody will get their chance at tailback. It's not like wide receiver, where you can get lost in the crowd. You won't get lost at tailback. Guys will get hurt. I talked about the quarterback health and lucky. There's no luck involved at tailback. Guys are going to get hurt. Uh, we saw that with Anderson and Sutton last year, and Brooks gets hobbled, and, and Sermon gets hobbled, and um, everybody goes through that at tailback. It's, it's a meat grinder. So, Um, I would think that there would be a lot of protection of the (laughs) tailbacks in the spring game.
0: Yeah, you would imagine so. But all things being equal, health being equal, who do you think is Oklahoma's number one tailback (laughs) in the fall?
2: Trey Sermon. And I know that everybody left Kennedy Brooks for good reason down the stretch. But Trey Sermon's a guy that in the fourth quarter of tough games – now, when you're playing, I don't know, Baylor – in October and ahead 41 to 10, you know, guys can do all kinds of stuff. But Trey Sermon's a guy that after three and an hour, three hours and 15 minutes of hard football and the game's still not won and everybody's sitting on pins and needles, he's a guy that can still carry the load, and that's what I like about Trey Sermon. So, um, you know, what was it, the Texas game? I think it was the Texas game in October. By the by, the late in the fourth quarter, the Longhorns wanted no part of Trey <laughs> Sermon. He was still he he had a little Russell Westbrook in him. He looked the same in the fourth quarter as he did in the first. So, I like him a lot. But Kennedy Brooks clearly is a producer as well.
0: Yeah, and and Joe, a big question is who's going to protect those guys uh, going into the fall. That's going to be something interesting to watch on Friday not as much for what they're able to do, but for who is out there playing, especially in certain spots that are really, really thin uh, on that side, uh, especially at center there with Creed Humphrey, who will be the starter in the fall, uh, out out for the spring. Uh, what do you make of what Oklahoma's done so far on the offensive line?
1: Yeah, it's kind of been a total patchwork job. The, the one guy they knew they would have this spring is – is, still a young veteran, Creed Humphrey. They didn't even have him because of injuries. So, um, you know, offensive line, that might be another position that it's hard to really gauge. I mean, I'm sure the the defensive front's going to try to get after the quarterback, but they're going to stop once they get there. But, um, you know, we're it's going to be a lot of young guys. It's going to be a lot of fresh faces, and especially a year after that offensive line wins the Joe Moore Award, it's going to be – Pretty much a a whole group that didn't contribute all that much uh, to winning that award and being the best offensive line in the country. So um, there's like with everything, there's still time to figure that out. But I think it's going to be kind of interesting to to even see who's out there and 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 in what positions and and you know what what is even the the two deep because if this since this starting group's out there, who's behind them even?
2: As as of right now, the Oklahoma offensive line is projected to have only one senior on the entire team next next <laughs> year and that's uh Clayton Woods and is he not a walk on? I is. think Clayton Woods is a walk on. So you're talking about no seniors on the offensive line unless you know graduate transfer shows up. So um to me that's a you know that's they're going to be good. They're going to produce, but that's going to be potentially a mighty fall from where they were where they had you know, four NFL caliber guys and Creed Humphrey.
0: Yeah, because I mean, even you look down the list, the the only one who you could even see potentially leaving early would be if 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 Humphrey has a, just a phenomenal year, he would be eligible to enter the draft. But that's it.
2: Yeah, not too many offensive linemen go after three years. I mean, he would be a an exception if that happened. <laughs> yeah.
0: So so that'll be interesting to watch now. Uh, Barry, we're going to get into the questions that we did on the defensive side the other day, and I'll give you a heads up uh, on both of them as we go in. I'll actually let Joe uh, answer this first. Uh, the the first question uh, is: Who are you? You know, who's your eye going to be on on the offense? We've already touched on uh, some of the position groups, but who specifically are you going to be watching on offense? And two: Who is your choice for? The, the spring game hero who we're maybe not going to see in the fall, but uh, we wind up uh, seeing have a big-time performance on on Friday. Joe, you first. On the first part of that question, who are you keeping an eye on?
1: For, first part of that question, I, I'm looking at the, the Carson Meyer replacements. I'm looking at Braden Willis and moving to that position and then Jeremiah Hall, who um, we saw there last year, just um, – We've heard good things this spring about both of them, but uh, I think that's a position that continues to be important for this offense. It's one that Lincoln Riley doesn't want to move away from and wants to have someone there. Um, and that's kind of in Shane Beamer's room with those tight ends, so just to to see what that evolution looks like.
2: And Barry? All right, so who who, who I have my eye on? Yes, we'll start with that one I am going to put my eye on... Um, I will go with Trajan Bridges, um, one of the three Ballyhood freshman whiteouts. Um, I'm just picking his name out of a hat. I could have said Jaden Hazelwood. I could have said Theo Weiss. Uh, I said Theo Weiss on the video. So, But, uh, you know, I want to see what those guys look like because, you know, I know what a difference somebody like Marquise Brown and C.D. Lamb made to this offense. We get all worked up about the quarterbacks for good reason. But C.D. Lamb's a heck of a receiver. Marquise Brown's a first-round draft pick. If if the Sooners can keep producing receivers like that, this offense is going to be in great shape.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to go with uh, the, the easy choice and say Jalen Hurts. I think everybody is, is looking forward to seeing what he's able to do. We talked about the, the, the arm strength and, and some of the things that we haven't necessarily seen much from, from Jalen Hurts. Lincoln Riley has said it's been much improved. We'll start getting a sense on the field of whether that's improved, how his accuracy is, and, and what he's able to do. Uh, all right, Joe, who's your uh, spring game hero on the offensive side?
1: Well, I've got to check these uh, injury reports because I was going to go running <laughs> back, but uh, Michael Anderson and Isaiah Harris both might be hurt. Yeah, uh, I, I think they I...
0: are. Actually, I brought up Anderson's name earlier, but yeah, I think they're they're banged up, which uh, significantly so they're even more
1: thin than we thought. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes,
2: very um, much.
1: Yeah, so that that kinda takes maybe a a unknown running back out of the equation. Um golly. I'm gonna go um how about Dane Saltarelli? That's a that's a good name,
0: right? <laughs> Dane Saltarelli, the uh IMG walk on tight end product. <laughs>
1: I think he's a walk-on, right?
0: Yes, he is. A, he is a walk-on. He's uh, okay. You know, the, if you ask somebody who are the three IMG products on Oklahoma's roster, you can easily come up with uh, Buki Radley, Hiles, and TJ Pledger. But Dane Saltarelli, uh, probably only the hardest of the hardcore fans, are uh, going to come up with that. Uh,
2: Barry, who you got? It's actually an easy question for me. Drake Stoops. <laughs> I think Drake Stoops will score two touchdowns and have the whole crowd going crazy, and then uh, you know he may even he may even score against South Dakota. But then all of a sudden here comes Theo Weese and Hay- Jaden Hazelwood and Trajan Bridges and Lamb and Basquin, and you know he's going to get pushed down the the depth chart. But boy, Friday night I think he'll stand pretty tall.
0: Yeah, I. Uh... You took my name, Barry. And then I realized, Hey, good for me.
2: Look at that.
0: Look at that. So I'm going to go with a, another local product. Uh... Connor McGinnis, I think, Connor McGinnis, I think uh, the pride of Heritage Hall is going to have to throw it around a little bit because of their uh, what their quarterback situation right now. I think everybody obviously wants to see Jalen Hurts and <laughs> the Tanners, Mordecai and Schaefer, but I'm going to go with Connor McGinnis. I think Connor McGinnis makes a couple big time throws and says, "I'm not just a holder; I can still throw the ball a little bit." The tallest <laughs> quarterback on campus,
2: Connor McGinnis, six foot four.
0: Yeah. So uh, it- anyway, it'll be uh, really interesting to watch. Barry will be there, uh, thanks to the NBA playoff schedule. Joe will be there. Jenny Carlson will be there. I will not be there uh, once again, but uh, I think they're going to get together after the game and talk about it for another Sooners Extra podcast, and we'll be back uh, next week to break it down a little bit more. But thank you so much for listening to uh, Sooners Extra. You can check out our work every day at NewsOK.com and every morning in the Oklahoma for the best OU coverage anywhere.